Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives we are created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. I should remember that I have this shirt on tonight, commissioned by God to serve, part of our new merchandise, live shirts, love shirts serve shirts. We hope you support that. But here at FCBC, we say it this way. We live, we love, we serve. Amen. I won't be before you long this morning, beloved. I I want on this Pentecost Sunday not to look at the book of Acts where that feast of celebration takes place. I want to look at the book of Jonah on this Sunday. And I want to look at two passages in the book of Jonah. Jonah 1 1 through 3, verses 1 through 3, and then Jonah 4, verses 1 through 3. And I'll be reading from the Message Bible again. That is Jonah 1, verses 1 through 3, and Jonah 4, verses 1 through 3. And I'll be reading from the Message Bible. And here's how it reads. One day, long ago, God's word came to Jonah Amatize, son, up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh, preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. But Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. I'll stop there. And then in chapter 4, Verses 1 through 3, it reads like this. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. God, I knew it. When I was back home, I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love and ready at the drop of a hat, to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. Let's pray. With our limited vocabulary, God, and our limited knowledge. There are those moments when wisdom peeks through our limitations and we become wise enough to say thank you. Thank you, God. Each and every one of us, oh God, have a myriad of reasons to be thankful. But God, On this day, we want to thank you 
for those times you broke in our hiding places and found us afraid of who you are calling us to be. Thank you, God, for rescuing us from ourselves, for rescuing us from our fear, for rescuing us from our insecurity. Thank you for not only, God, were you mindful of us, but you let your grace go to work on us. We celebrate, God, on this day. Now, God, have your way this morning. Let your word do its own work. And we will be ever so grateful, ever so grateful, oh God. For we know that when you speak, crooked roads are made straight. When you speak, oh God, rough roads are made plain. When you speak, oh God, life is activated. Thank you. Thank you. This is our prayer, O oh Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Allow me to read those passages of Scripture again in your hearing. Jonah 1, verses 1 through 3, and Jonah 4, verses 1 through 3. One day long ago, God's word came to Jonah, Amittai's son, up on your feet and on your way to the big city of Nineveh. Preach to them. They're in a bad way, and I can't ignore it any longer. But Jonah got up and went the other direction to Tarshish, running away from God. Then Jonah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. He yelled at God, God, I knew it when I was back home. I knew this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy, not easily angered, rich in love, and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. So God, if you won't kill them, kill me. I'm better off dead. This morning, beloved, I want to speak from the thought, running mad. Running mad. Amen. This year marks, for me, 31 years of preaching, 50 years of living, and 25 years as a senior pastor. And in my 25 years as a pastor and 31 years of preaching, I still 
am amazed by persons who run towards this calling. I'm still amazed. And I know in this day and age, there are people who think that this path is a quick path to fame, notoriety, and for those with a cryptic sense of insecurity, a path for attention. But this is not something that you celebratize for the call to this work, this work, it's not easy. My spirit and my soul empathize with so many because I, like many of them, found myself in some ways hesitant to stand in the shoes of those who've come before me. Moses and Jeremiah saw themselves as inadequate. Elijah feared for his life. Amos and Isaiah found the message that they were called to proclaim too dreadful to repeat at times. I once read somewhere that God doesn't choose the worthy, that God chooses the willing. That's good church talk. But what happens when the people that God chooses are not willing? And instead of being willing, actually resist. The scriptures are filled with persons, some whom I've just named, Moses, Jeremiah, Elijah, Amos, Isaiah, who at their call found reasons to resist. Again, feelings of inadequacy, gross insecurity, being overwhelmed by the message they were given to proclaim, all reasons that make sense as to why they did not feel they were up to the task because the task at hand is not easy. Imagine the audacity to stand in pulpits like this and other spaces designed for proclamation and say that somehow what you utter is connected to what God desires. Imagine that you bear that sacred responsibility to go in God's name with your limitations, with your finiteness, with your humanity, and declare what the infinite may require or even desire. I still, again, am confounded by those who run towards this call, when if you have any sense, you really run away from it, because it is beyond at times, our human capacity. But maybe those of us who recognize that the call is beyond our human capacity are in the best position to actually be used by God because there's not too much of us in the way. 
Maybe somehow that insecurity becomes fertile breeding ground for what God desires to do. And those of us who sometimes don't feel adequate up to the task won't let false bravado and arrogance get in the way of the call that God may place over our lives. Maybe it is that hesitation, that bit of resistance, that reluctance that makes those of us prime candidates to do this work. Because the resistance is connected to Feelings, again, of inadequacy, sometimes connected to feelings of insecurity, sometimes connected to feelings of dread and fear because of the nature of the call and the responsibility that is at the end of the day too overwhelming. In the words of Paul, God gives us these words, these assignments, these tasks, and God gives these words, these assignments, these tasks to broken vessels, fractured jars, wounded healers. Damage representatives of the divine. And yet somehow, through all that could hinder, God finds a way to get the glory in the midst of our hesitation and in the midst of our resistance. At the end of the day, that resistance makes sense if you only look at you. But then there's another phase to this. It is not looking through the lens of unworthiness, but looking through the lens of humility. That God thought enough of you to place a grand calling on your life. And here's the thing, all callings are not the same. But when the source is God, they are all connected to transcendent and transformative efforts. We all have some role. We all have some deep calling on our lives. And here's what we don't always see. The callings on our lives are shaped for our expansion, not our diminishing. They are designed to increase us, to enhance us, even in the most challenging and dreadful of moments, still designed to broaden who we are. How is that possible? Because when we dare lay claim to a call from God, whatever that call may be, we are then opening ourselves up to be intruded upon by God, who then wants to confiscate our lives for greater purposes and greater goods that are beyond us to begin to participate participate in the healing and transformation of lives and people and places and spaces, that in and of itself is powerful when looked at through the lens of humility. It becomes humbling that God would use you and use me and use us to do this work. That somehow God could get this work done without us, but God invites us in to participate, to become co-creators in this grand narrative of life. Oh, that God would even think about us to participate in cosmic causes. That God would even look our way should be humbling. So sometimes we resist because of inadequacies. Sometimes we become humbled Because in spite of those inadequacies and insecurities, God still sees something. And then sometimes, tragically, we simply disobey. 
Make no mistake about it. Jonah is not Moses or Jeremiah. He is not Elijah, Amos, or Isaiah. His disobedience is of a different sort. When God tells Jonah to go to preach to Nineveh, because in the Message Bible translation, God tells Jonah, the people are in a bad way. They are not well. And if you know the narrative there, not being well is connected to the evilness, the evil that is taking place in the city. It is connected to the disobedience that is taking place in the city. And then God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh, preach to them because things are not well there. And God is sending Jonah on a different mission. Only two prophets in the Old Testament, Jonah and Elijah, are actually given words for foreign territories. And Jonah hears this. And in chapter one, the scripture says that Jonah, upon hearing what God required of him, went the opposite direction, running away, not from the call, but from God. Well, I hope you hear this this morning. He runs away from God because of what God is desiring. Running away from God because possibly there may be restoration and expansion connected to what God desires. Runs in the opposite direction. Not because something is wrong, but because something might get right. He runs from what God wants to see done. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but there's somebody right now who needs to hear it put in the most simplest of terms. Take off your sneakers and stop running from what God is seeking to do with you and through you. I know it is difficult to conceive at times that there is more to you. But this week in Midweek Motivation, I shared with those who listen in the morning and on IG Live, every now and again, you have to take the risk to bloom. You must be willing to step out of the comfort zones and the places because here's the danger when you make discomfort comfortable because you don't want to move beyond where you are because where you are has become so safe even though it has become dysfunctional and too cramped because you've outgrown the cramped space. Don't be afraid to step out of the place of comfort even when it becomes uncomfortable in some ways. Take the risk to bloom. Maybe God is calling you to expand yourself, enlarge yourself, to do some things you've never done. That's really the high calling on all of our lives, that at every point of our journey, at different phases, there are different calls that come. And those calls that come at different points of our journey and at different phases of our lives are always connected to expansion, growth, and entering into possibilities you could not imagine because comfort kept you captive. Can you imagine when you are the instigator of your own chaos because you'd rather be captive by comfort? And instead of stepping into what God may require you, you then make everything around you small as your mind when connected to your possibilities. 
And you minimize what God may want to do. Because instead of admitting your fear, you begin to nuance your fear in ways that makes it seem like you don't have a problem at all. When at the end of the day, your disobedience may be connected to fear, but how about this one? Your disobedience may be connected because you actually know what God can do. Oh, I hope you get this this morning. You see, there are some people I've learned along this journey who are hesitant when it comes to answering and honoring the high call that God has placed over their lives to serve. Not because of fear alone, but because they know what God can do. And can you imagine when you begin to run at, from the call because God's disruptive ways intrude upon your comfort connected to your captivity, giving birth to your chaos, and at the end of the day, you're afraid to bloom. Oh, can you imagine running from God because you know what God can do? That's what Jonah did. Jonah refused to go to Nineveh, not because he felt inadequate, not because he felt overwhelmed, not because of insecurity, not because of fear, not because of the dreadful word. Jonah ran because he knew that what God required was to place hope at the forefront of Nineveh's possibility. He was mad about mercy. He was angry, not at the call, but to the requirements. We would love if God's call coincided with what we felt was palatable. We would love if God's call on our lives fell in alignment with the things we like or the persons we like or the spaces we like, or the places we like. We would love if the call of God lined up with our expectations and our desires. But it doesn't always work that way. When you say words that become vogue in some circles, God, I'm available, be careful. Because what happens when your availability opens a door you're not willing to walk through? What happens when your cry to God, use me, becomes a plea to God, leave me alone? Well, what, what happens when, when you, want, you want to be part of this work until this work is required? What happens when, when somehow... Your assumptions get assaulted by God's desire for you. Jonah runs. And you know the story. I don't have to belabor that this morning. Jonah runs in the opposite direction, and then he does everything to get away. He even tries to commit suicide by 
an act of humility when he finds himself on a boat in the storm with people who did not know he was running from God. I don't want to belabor the moment with that, but just think about that. Jonah was running from God, and running from God, he ran to Tarsus. When he got to Tarsus, he found himself on a boat, and the people on the boat with him did not realize that he was running from God. I mean, what would the conversation have looked like had he told them that somehow I'm coming here, but know this, God is after me? I mean, would they have been welcoming to him? I mean, he gets there under some level of deception. He gets there, a storm comes, and Jonah's willing to say, now look, throw me over. All of this, he's willing, he's willing to die rather than answer. He gets suicidal ideations because he's reluctant to walk in God's path of mercy. And then you know the story. He, he gets thrown in. He finds himself in the belly of a big fish, not a whale, a big fish. And, and then they, all of a sudden he gets religion. He starts praying to God in the belly. It's amazing how, 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 how some spaces that we find ourselves in after running from the God who places a great call on us causes us to be connected to the God we were running from because the space we find ourselves in is too much for us. And then when we find ourselves as normal, when we find ourselves handling something that is too much for us, we cry out to God, even the God we were running from, the God we were reluctant to say yes to, because when it becomes too much, it's amazing how our faith at times is connected to our manageability. The things we can handle, we don't talk to God about. The things that are beyond our capacity, we want to talk to God for. He's in the well, he talks, he prays, he wants to be used by God. And, and, then, and then that's a whole other story because then, you know, the, 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 the big fish spits him out. You know, he has reverse peristalsis, you know science. He regurgitates. It's amazing, you often regurgitate that that, wasn't, that doesn't necessarily fall in alignment with your makeup. You know, the whale, the, or the fish rather, got an upset stomach because of Jonah's presence because Jonah wasn't supposed to be there. Whenever you take in something that doesn't work with your system, your system tries to put it out. I mean, see, here's the thing. Let me just pause for a second to help somebody. There's some spaces you've been spit out of, and, and you thought it, it was a curse or something was wrong. You didn't realize that you were spit out because you were not in alignment with the space you were in. You were mad that you were spit out, but you weren't supposed to be there. You didn't, who you were was not in alignment with what it was. And you thought you were kicked out, no, you were spit out. Oh man, I'll talk about that later. You weren't, you were, you were spit out because, because the space you were in, you did not work with. And the space sought to get you out of it because you weren't supposed to be there in the first place. There's some of us right now who are kicking and screaming because we've been spat on the places we were not created for. I'm going to leave you alone this morning. He comes out and now because of the crisis and the chaos, not the crisis and chaos he created, but the crisis and chaos he found himself in, he now answers the call. He goes reluctantly. He preaches with an attitude. But he preaches. And when the people of Nineveh hear the message, I mean, can you imagine? This is why I know preaching is bigger than us. Because even possibly with his attitude and his hesitancy and his resistance, he preaches a word that is so transformative that the people of Nineveh and the king of Nineveh begin to fast. They cry out to God. They ask God for mercy. They turn everything around. They fall back in alignment with God. Can you imagine when a reluctant prophet still transforms available people? I mean, I mean, if, if he did that with a little bitterness... 
and the city was saved. One man. Imagine if he fell in line. You would say to yourself, well, Pastor, how did it happen anyway? If he was resistant, I started by saying this. It wasn't about him in the first place. It was the word that was in his mouth that came from God. And then is the anger. The city is saved. The people fall back in line because of the reluctant prophet who was mad at the possibilities of mercy. And he then, after, is angry with God, yells at God. I knew you would do this. I knew it. Because I know how you operate, God. Now, let me pause for a second for those who are here who are attuned to the easy language of church or churchianity. We say things like the Old Testament is the book of law and the New Testament is the book of grace. That's an easy way. But here in the Old Testament, Jonah's mad about God's grace, mercy, hope, and love. So that means the easy way of saying the Old Testament is about law is not true because all throughout the Old Testament are incidents and acts and moments of God's mercy. And this is one of them. So God here now is hearing Jonah yell, I knew you would do this. I know who you are. At the drop of a hat, you will turn your plan of punishment into a plan of forgiveness. And he's mad. He's mad. He's mad because his memory is not working properly. I mean, Jonah, in the big fish's belly, you love mercy. You love forgiveness. You love the possibility that God could turn it around. You like the idea that, that where you were was not where you would stay. You like the notion that, that you would come out of what you are in. But it's deep, Jonah, that you don't like to see other people come out. So not only are you a reluctant prophet, but you're selfish with God's grace. You only want it to work for you. Somehow you think you got the formula that makes you immune to your blind spots. Oh, I know it's hard because some of us church folk are just like Jonah. We want everything about God to work for us, but not for them. We want to experience the salvation of God because we think we deserve it. We want grace to work for us, but punishment to work for other people. We, we, we think somehow because we use certain phrases and say certain clauses and have a certain language and, and all agree to certain assumptions surrounding meaning that we're good. We Jonah. Because we thought that God's favor could only work for us. And then not only does it not only work for us, God will use us to bring favor to someone else that we don't like. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves worse off than when we started 
Because we're mad that we were called, but watch this. Now we're mad we're successful. <laughs> I mean, if the people had resisted Jonah, he wouldn't have been mad. He was mad because what came out of his mouth transformed lives. He ran from God. And his running and his anger met. And he couldn't handle that at the end of the day, God was bigger than Jonah's predicament. That God's love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness applies to those people you may think are outside of the circle of relationship. And what happens when you really got to be a Christian? What happens when you really have to take grace and mercy and love and forgiveness seriously? What happens when you actually have to embody the tenets of the faith and not simply make everything a binary or dichotomize everything, good and evil, blessing curses. What happens, well, here it is, and I'm done, when you don't set God's agenda? It's a tough one. But it's a real one. Unlike Moses and Jeremiah and Isaiah, Amos, Jonah's disobedience wasn't because he didn't think he was adequate. His disobedience came because he actually knew God. And he knew that if he offered the opportunity and the people heeded the word, that God would be God. Like the senior saints used to say, and God all by God's self. You see, Pentecost is about the building of bridges that were created because of the inability to communicate. Because when the Spirit descended, they didn't speak in unknown tongues. They spoke in the languages of those in the diaspora so that the word and the ministry and mission of Jesus could transcend even those things that divide. How can you celebrate Pentecost and be mad about mercy? How can you celebrate Pentecost and not celebrate the transcendent, transformative power of God's love? This is who we're called to be. And I know for some of us, we think that who we're called to be is connected to all these rituals and these behaviors that are constructed to make us pleasing to people and sometimes get us out of alignment with God. I get running. I, I get it. I get hesitation. It should be there. But make sure that at the end of the day, no matter what your call is, 
And when you stand, declare yourself a son, a daughter of God. And you are clear about the one you represent. God is a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of love, and a God of forgiveness. And maybe the problem is right now, beloved, there are too many Christians around the world wanting to find somebody to be mad at. Wanting to be angry at somebody and want to be angry in Jesus' name. Want to obliterate people's humanity in the name of God. And then we hear these words, God is love. And then you hear these words from the carpenter. The world will know you are my disciples by the love you show to one another and the love you have for one another. Don't confuse your agenda with God's agenda. With all that Jonah did that might have been viewed as wrong, he got something right. He said, God, I knew it. I knew you would forgive. I knew you would show love. I knew you would be merciful. And here's Jonah. I was just hoping that you would be mad at the people I'm mad at. That you would hate the people I hate that you would allow your prejudice to blind your love like I do. No. No. We cannot, like Jonah, run mad. We move in love. And we trust that. Come on, beloved, lead in this morning. God, we are so grateful today. So thankful, oh God, that that you truly are a gracious God, a merciful God, a loving God. And God, the sad thing is that there's so many people who say they love you and yet wake up in the mornings trying to find somebody to be mad at. God, But I'm just crazy enough to believe that if enough of us take you seriously, the teachings of your son, we can turn this world right side up. This is the season. This is the time. There is so much pain in this world right now. We have a global pandemic of pain. And while people are looking to you to fix it, God, you're looking to us to see what we not can do because, God, you know what we can do, but to see if we're willing to step outside of our narrowness and let love go to work through us. God, we thank you. We cannot thank you for loving on us, for showing us mercy and grace, and then not show it to others. So thank you for this responsibility to truly be who you called us to be. We love you, Lord.
We honor you, God. And it's in your name we pray. And we say, amen. Amen, beloved. Listen, I pray that you enjoyed this worship experience today. Let me remind you, there's no Sunday sermon talk back on this Sunday. My greatest hope, oh God, to God and, and for all of us, is that we get to a place in this journey, in our lives, where we understand not only the sacredness of the life we have, but the sacredness of all life, and realize that the one way, one of the ways we walk in freedom is to love. Love liberates. It sets us free. And if we say that God is love, here's what I read somewhere, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, which means where there is love, there is freedom. Be free. Be loving. And until we meet again, beloved, we live, we love, we serve. And until next time, peace and blessings. God bless. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.